Welcome to the Glass Lab podcast, where we talk all things product development. It's our goal every month to introduce you to the people, ideas, and development tools that are shaping the hardware products we all use every day. All right. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the first intern version of the Glass Lab podcast. We are super excited to be here with you today. I'm Elena, and here with me, I have other interns, Chase and Matthew. So we'll probably start off and just give a brief introduction about ourselves and what we do at Glassboard. So Chase, if you want to start us off. Yeah, so I'm a rising junior engineering design major at Rose Holman. I'm also getting my master's in engineering management, so that's pretty cool. Um, engineering design, if you don't know, it's basically product development um, as a whole. So we touch on mechanical design, electrical design, um, computer software design, things like that. And then we'll explore the uh, product development process, you know, bringing a product to market, helping um, get it manufactured, and then the launching of that product as well. So that's kind of what I do here at Glassboard is I help our clients move from the discovery phase into active development. So helping flesh out design metrics that we'll have to go through when developing the product uh, and then bring it, help them bring it to market once we actually uh, develop it. Hi, uh, I'm Matthew. I'm entering my senior year in electrical engineering at Purdue University. Here at Glassboard, I'm a hardware development intern, which means I work on both design of PCBs, like in the computer, choosing components, placing them, and then routing the traces that go between them, and then also uh, getting those components ordered, shipping them into Glassboard, and then manufacturing some of the first rev PCBs in-house for troubleshooting and testing. Hi, I'm Elena Wall, and I'm a rising senior at Butler University, and I am a marketing major, and I'm actually the first marketing intern for Glassboard. So it's been super fun, and I love working under Tamra and just working with a bunch of engineers. So it's super fun to just jump in and get started. What I've been working on majorly is campaign strategy and different things to post on LinkedIn and our other platforms that we use at Glassboard, and I'm learning a lot. It's super fun. We love I guess jumping right in off of that, Elena, how is it working with a whole bunch of engineers being that you're a marketing intern <laughs> from Butler? It's definitely not what I expected, but I'm excited to have this experience and then look at it with a different experience. And what I mean by that is I'm, it's probably more difficult to find a small company with an awesome company culture than it is to find an enterprise opportunity. So I'm excited to be able to take this and kind of compare it to what I would have at kind of more of a corporate setting. So here, what's really amazing about Glassboard is that they really encourage you to put ideas out there. And if you're wrong, you're wrong. And to kind of learn from that and grow from that. And so being around a bunch of engineers, you guys fail a lot. So true. Like, you fail a lot. <laughs> and I think being in that kind of space really helps me because obviously I'm learning and I'm somewhere where you guys don't have a dedicated marketing team. So I'm kind of learning alongside the people who are currently doing the marketing. So it just makes me really feel safe and comfortable and it's a good learning environment. Love that. We definitely do fail a lot, yes, Matthew, do. don't we? Yeah, definitely part of the process. I mean, the design process is inherently iterative, and that's definitely something we get exposed to here at Glassboard. I mean, all of the projects that I've worked on, you know, were at, they start at Rev 0, and then, you know, within a couple of weeks, we're already at, like, Rev 1.3. And, you know, change is constant, and it's what facilitates, you know, improvement. And I think that's, you know, really cool. Absolutely. Yeah. So why don't we talk a little bit about 
our career paths, um, what we hope to see ourselves doing in the future and kind of how Glassboard fits into that and kind of how we stumbled across Glassboard. I can start. So for my future opportunities, I really love um, product design and development, which is why I'm here. I like working on the whole product development process, not just one little piece. So my hope is to move, um, either stay here or move to a different company where I can still uh, do that, pursue uh, working with users, making their dreams come true is like one of my big things that I like working towards and being able to see that whole like development from taking their dream to creating it and then launching it with them is something that I'm really passionate about. That's awesome to hear. Yeah, very cool. The biggest thing that I've seen at Glassboard that's been, you know, related to my future career and all that is, uh, you know, kind of comparing to where I've worked before. I did uh, two work rotations with an automotive company. And the biggest difference that I've seen between working in product development and the automotive workspaces is just how much better it is for me as an individual to be working hands-on with hardware rather than you know writing requirements and doing validation and stuff like that it's really cool that at glassboard we have the opportunity to actually design and validate our own stuff rather than you know outsourcing that to someone else and so it's really shown me that like in a future career position that's something that i want to see you know actually being able to have ownership over the things that i'm designing and then how did you guys research find and acquire this opportunity what did that process look like for you yeah so for me i kind of just stumbled upon glassboard um my major it's very new we're only eight years old at this point uh and we're getting accredited in october by abet so we don't really have a lot of jobs out there that are suited directly for our major yet because it's still up and coming so when i was looking for product development firms people that you know focus on the entire process and not just one little piece uh glassboard is something i found uh, and thankfully they were right in Indy because Rose Holman is in Terre Haute, so it's only an hour away. So I filled out the little contacts me form, Grant emailed me back, um, brought me up for an interview, and the rest is history, I guess. <laughs> what about you, Matthew? Yeah, so the way that I was uh, introduced to Glassboard was actually very lucky. Uh, Grant and Drew, who uh, you know are so prolific here at Glassboard, are actually the two people that founded the Electric Vehicle Club at Purdue, which is something I'm really active in. So I was actually networked with them through another member of the club, and we uh, had the opportunity to actually come down to Indy one day during the school year. Uh, Grant gave us a full tour of the shop. He showed us you know, all of the 3D printers. He showed us their mechanical labs, their electrical lab, all of the tools and supplies that they have to do what they do. And it just seemed really cool. And, you know, we just kind of were talking informally, kind of talking about what we're doing at Purdue and all that stuff. And then eventually the conversation shifted over, you know, a couple of days and a couple of emails later to, you know, interviewing for an internship position. And that's what ended up happening. And I'm really, really thankful for it. It's been a great experience. Just wondering, because I'm not from Purdue, do they, I feel like they would have a shrine. Like, do the people in the EV club know of them? Like, are they famous? the way that they're famous in my head? Uh, their names definitely still stick around oh uh, because they're actually still really involved with, uh, you know, the competition that we participate yeah. in. They're, you know, a big name in that and their names on the back of the shirt and all that. So I'd, I'd definitely say that, you know, they still stick around. They have a big legacy in the club, which is, you know, really cool to see an alumni network that's, you know, still active and present. Legends. Love, Love hearing it. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, for me, I originally had a different opportunity this summer. And I found the opportunity going through TechPoint. Great program, by the way. But going through TechPoint, I had a different opportunity. And then unfortunately, that one did fall through. But obviously, everything happens for a reason. And I'm glad I'm sitting here with you guys. And I wouldn't have changed that for the world. But 
basically TechPoint had reached out to the current companies that already had externs in their programs and said, hey, we have an intern that, you know, can no longer do their opportunity. Are you guys open to taking a marketing intern? And it kind of just worked out that Grant and Tamara were kind of thinking, maybe we could use a marketing intern. So I kind of just fell in their lap just as they fell in mine and the stars aligned for the first time ever in my life. And I just had the most fantastic opportunity. And the first interview I had, it was so transparent. Like after be after working here for what a month and a half long we've been here yeah month and a half i just feel like that interview and everything they said really lived up to what i'm experiencing they told me that they don't have a dedicated marketing team which i knew coming into the opportunity um they told me that this was going to be a learning space and that they encouraged learning and that's really what they want us to get out of this opportunity and that um, they really want us to just try and if our trying doesn't set us up for success then try again and kind of um, use that momentum to move on and not really hang on the fails, if that makes sense. But I feel like that's a very broad engineering. Every engineer feels that way, but I feel like they really encompassed that. So I feel like my journey has been very transparent here, and I'm. that's kind of how I came about. I'm going to go backwards a little bit because I remember you saying, Chase, that your major is relatively new. That's correct. For someone like me, I can kind of identify because I came into school with an exploratory major, and obviously that's meant to be temporary and a learning experience within itself, and you can't stay exploratory for a long time. Um, what advice would you give someone who's currently looking for an internship opportunity who either doesn't necessarily have a direct clear career path like me or like you where there isn't necessarily an opportunity out there that is clearly defined for their major. Yeah, so so I get asked this question all the time. Um, my freshmen coming in, you know, they don't really know what to look for in an internship because we're so new, uh, because there's just so many different things that you can specify within our major. So you can specify within mechanical design, electrical, CS, you can get like a robotics minor, or management minor, things like this. So it definitely depends on what you want in an experience. You know, I feel like it's definitely hard to judge at first if you want to be at a smaller or a larger company, but if you know, like if you like the feel of your school, if it's a small school, I would definitely suggest a smaller company first before moving into a larger company if that's possible. And then also just looking at the job description, seeing if it is in line with your interests, not necessarily if it's in line with your major. So I have a whole bunch of freshmen who went out to internships this year who went into like electrical design um, internships and that's just like a subset of what we focus on we mainly focus on mechanical design in our degree so it was very interesting to see that they could go and pursue this just because that's what they're interested in and learn from it and then be able to take more classes that they're coming sophomore year now in electrical design to kind of firm that up and then get an internship with a bigger company so I would definitely say know what size you want to go to or at least try to and then uh, find something that's in line with your your passion, what you want to to kind of explore, even if you don't want to go into that as a career, just what you're passionate about in that moment. I agree. Um, and with everything you said, I agree. And to kind of add to that, I want to take more of a mindset lens. I think that being an exploratory major and not necessarily, you know, looking at opportunities on handshake and thinking, I can at least narrow it down by accounting or finance or whatever that may be. 
um, you get stressed. It's stressful. And I think everyone feels like, at least I know that that was my experience, that you have to have everything figured out before you have the internship opportunity. You have to have a certain set of experiences and technical skills. And that is true for some. But for most entry-level internship opportunities, they know you don't know anything. They know you're in college, they know you're learning, and they want to help you in that. They're investing in you to help you grow so you can be a, fu a future asset to the company potentially later on. And I think some advice I'd give to a freshman or a sophomore is to not focus on what you don't have or what you need to have to get an internship, but focus on having that internship and using that as your experience background, if that makes sense. Yeah, didn't articulate yeah. that well, but do you know what I mean? Yeah, there's there's a corporate philosophy actually that like uh, taking in an unspecialized intern is actually a very beneficial process yeah. because you know you take them in, you give them some experience, and then when you send them back to school, you can kind of you know influence what they're going to specialize in. Maybe like if you expose them to like let's say you're working on something at Glassboard like circuit design, and you know the people that you're working with see that you're doing really well on that, they might suggest that you take some more advanced you know like. Uh, impedance like classes and like learning how to do some control stuff because they see that you're kind of latching onto that and then when you return for another work rotation you know they get something someone who's like actually specialized in something they need yeah. and so you know they don't expect you to have experience they don't necessarily want you to already be specialized they want to be able to mold you into exactly you know what can fit into their company that's a really fair point so okay. elena going off of how we got here to Glassboard, I would love to hear your kind of internship overview of like normal process of how to get an internship. How does Butler kind of like prepare yeah. you for that? No, for sure. They definitely start you off soon. And I think that that's really important. I feel like a lot of schools are doing that. And I feel like the norm for when you should have started should, I don't like to shit on myself, but um, basically the norm has kind of shifted. I think that I want to say average like it seems like everyone around me in the business world you can correct me if it's different for engineers and stem majors but like most people have their first internship by like maybe a trial one in the summer after their freshman year or probably the summer after their sophomore year I'd say is the average of when people start having internships and I think coming into college I really thought junior year junior year summer that's when you have your first internship for a business major and that kind of shifted for me along my journey and that was kind of a big pill I had to swallow because when I came in as a freshman I still didn't know what I wanted to do so that was something that was really stressful for me but you kind of overcome that by forcing yourself to go to career for career fairs and participating in kind of the networking that your school will provide to you so that's kind of how I went about finding mine is talking to people at career fairs and through that learning about myself, learning about what I wanted in an internship and trying to figure out how to network because that's something you have to learn. You don't know that coming out of high school. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. My major it's structured a little bit differently. So we're required to take two six month working periods to graduate. So we take off school two of our you know trimesters um, and then we'll work through the summer in one trimester and then the trimester and then one summer is our six months. And so I feel like that is like really good because you not only get like the three month internship in the summer that everybody else gets, you get a little extra on top of it. So you'll get two summer internships and then two three month working experiences during school. 
So they structure it so that we just take online classes. It's a lighter load. Uh, it's super easy to manage. And then we have basically a full year's worth of working experience, which puts us above other people in our field. Um, so it makes us more competitive and things like that. So I feel like a lot of majors are kind of taking notice of that at Rose and they're trying to integrate that into their programs. And I feel as though other colleges will start to notice that as well. And it's just going to make it so much easier for kids to actually get hands-on experience before we go start working. Because, I mean, even coming to Glassport, I feel like a lot of my classes didn't prepare me for the work I was going to be yeah. doing here. Coming in, so what year did you start your first professional experience then? So this is my first professional experience. Oh, okay. Yeah, so I was going to go for one last year. Um, I was a little shaky on my grades and everything. Yeah. So I wanted to take a couple classes over the summer to kind of boost those up, um, get back to where I needed to be for my two majors that I'm seeking at the same time. Right. So mine was a little bit different experience than everybody else, but I would say that about 50% of the kids at Rose get an internship their first summer. The fr like after freshman year? Yep. Okay. What about you? Uh, my first work rotation was the fall semester of my sophomore year. So I did freshman year, uh, and then in the spring of my first year was interviewing with uh, Solantis, formerly Fiat Chrysler, and talking to them about uh, actually doing a co-op program, which is kind of similar to you know, what Chase was just talking about, but it's not actually, you know, required or integrated directly into the major. It's an option you can take and it extends your schooling by a year, but you do five work rotations and you alternate between being on campus and, you know, doing all your coursework and then going back to your company that you're working with and you you actually go through a different department each time. So like when I was with the program in Stellantis, they required that you do an automated driving rotation and then they also encouraged that you do one in a uh, I believe it was somewhere in drivetrain or validation or something, but they have different uh, ones for depending on what major you are. And so like when I was there as an electrical engineer, I did um, the automated driving software and then uh, electrical engineering validation. And, uh, you know, that was, it was a cool experience, you know, getting the opportunity to, you know, alternate off between school and work. But uh, for me personally, I ended up leaving that program because um, it was hard for me to balance what I wanted to actually accomplish at school and not being there full time because, something that's really important to me in my education is like being in extracurricular organizations and being a leader in those organizations. And if you can only ever say that you'll be there for one semester at a time, you can't actually work on anything that requires work over separate semesters, whether that's research, whether that's being on a, you know, a team. And so I ended up, you know, sacrificing the co-op program to be more involved in programs at Purdue. Okay. So that would be kind of similar to how Chase's program is structured then, right? Yeah. But you enjoyed it. Is that yeah. a correct assumption? So this is my first of the six-month working experiences. Okay. Um, and I enjoy it so far. Yeah. I mean, my online classes are easy to manage. It's work, but, you know, it's just work after work. So I, I'm used to the yeah. normal wake up at 6 in the morning, stay up until midnight or 2 in the morning doing homework. So this is a lot lighter load than I'm, than I'm usually taking on work and then classes afterwards. So it's super easy to manage, yeah. I think... I stand with Matthew. I think that the way that Butler structures their internship requirements, I think that's more similar to what you'd say your ideal setting would be. Um, we're only required to have two internships and they have to be completed after a certain number of classes. And because of that, coming in with no previous credit, if you're somebody that has no previous credit, then um, you would probably start your first internship after your junior year and then you would have your second internship during the first semester of your senior year or second semester of your senior year. But 
I don't know how I would do in a co-op setting. I really don't because I feel like I learned so much about myself, especially being an exploratory business major when I came into school, that I don't know how I would function um, having to kind of do a professional experience when I would be having classes or just kind of combining both because I think you learn so many life lessons from both. I feel like I would just end up being so overwhelmed. That's fair. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I will say that the actual like work, I mean, ignoring the fact that they're completely different companies, yeah. but the actual like work experience between a co-op and an internship, I would say is indistinguishable. It's not like, you know, co-ops or, you know, do different type of work than interns. You know, that's that that stereotype that like interns get coffee and all that has kind of been obliterated at this point. Like it's almost not even relevant that people keep saying that. But right. um, the biggest difference is like you were saying, it's weird that like when you're in a co-op, you know, you're constantly getting like messages from all your friends on campus of like things that are going on. And like, you know, you're just like not even in the same state. And it's like, huh, this is bizarre. Like everyone's in school, like doing homework. And I'm like, you know, working just nine to five and then I'm off. Like it's just it's it's bizarre to have that happening at the same time that it would normally be school. Yeah. Yeah. You guys both, when you came into school, did you have your major or like what was the progression of your major? So mine was a little bit funny. Um, I started out wanting to go to Purdue for Spanish, Uh, (laughs) and then I definitely that that was like tail end of junior year going into senior year. Like education. Uh, yeah. Okay. Basically. And then I found out I hated kids. <laughs> so, <laughs> so then we obviously moved into engineering. I had always been taking engineering math related classes throughout like my entire yeah. school curriculum. So it was like a no brainer to switch into that. Um, and so I wanted to go into chemical engineering because I wanted to do DNA um, splicing, like CRISPR gene yeah. editing, things like that. Uh, and so I was going to go to Rose for that. And then I started looking at the program and I was like, okay, well, I hate chemistry. I don't know why it didn't register in my mind that chemical engineering needed chemistry, but yeah. So then I was like, okay, we'll switch from chemical engineering to um, mechanical engineering because a couple of my cousins have done it. Uh, They've gone to work for the government. I thought that was cool. Yeah. Uh, And then I found engineering design like literally two or three months before I was going to go to Rose. And so just learning that it's basically mechanical engineering, but you also get to do electrical and CS and it's the whole product development cycle. And it's not just your working math equations, your four years. Uh, That's definitely why I moved into design three months before I started. That is really crazy to think about. And I think you could probably second me on this, but I could not like genuinely envision you as a Spanish professor no, or teacher either. or oh, like, I really can't like as an engineer, that is all mm-hmm. I picture you doing. Yeah. I, d- I don't know what I was thinking. Honestly, it would have been awful. So. That's great that you can make that jump though. Yeah. Like not a, a lot of people can, like those are like, I feel like on opposite yeah. ends of the spectrum. Yeah. Well, from the engineering point of view, I mean, just, you know, from what I know about you from the past month or so, I can't see you as a chemical engineer either. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, like the mechanical, I can see. I mean, like the mechanical and you know, engineering design, like you know, some overlap, but the chemical, I just mm-hmm. that 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 completely caught me off guard. No, yeah, I like working with my hands. I like you know working with clients. I think again, both situations would have been terrible. It's crazy how that is so muddied for so long, and then it just figures itself out. Yeah. And from me looking at it, it just figured itself out. But obviously, for you, that probably took a long time and a lot of reflection and experience. Mm-hmm. How did you make those jumps? What were some, what was 
an experience or something that kind of made you think, mm, I don't want to do this? Yeah, so the Spanish to chemical um, was my Spanish teacher in high school. I would just, you know, sat down and talk to her because she was leaving my senior year. And so, you know, we just sat down and talked. Um, and she was just telling me, like, about her experience, you know, teaching at my high school for however long she was there. And, and then just seeing things in, you know, classes towards the end of junior year. Um, it was just the disrespect with all of the kids and, you know, them not, not necessarily making as much as I wanted to, um, not wanting to stay in a school setting the rest of my life. So then jumping to chemical um, because I wanted to do gene editing and then looking at the, the program requirements for Rose, it was kind of like, okay, I need to find something different. So then I just switched into mechanical because that was something that came easy to me. I've done CAD before. Um, so I like, you know, working with things, taking them okay. apart. Um, and then I got an email from Dr. Bracken, who's my department head in engineering design. And she was like, oh, like, I just wanted to share this with all of the incoming freshmen, you know, like our kids made these products this year in engineering design. And I just wanted to share it, you know, let you know that this is an option because not very many people see that that's a major option at Rose Holman. So I looked through people's portfolios um, of all the products that they had made that year. And I got access to a couple of juniors portfolios. So it was like, 10 or 12 projects that they've done at this point. Uh, and just being able to see like, oh my God, they like made this toy for this kid with this disability. Like that's something that I wanna go do. So I immediately switched into it after I got that email. I emailed Dr. Brack and I was like, thank you so much. Like you just changed my entire career path. That clarity must have felt so good. It did, because going into mechanical, I was nervous because I was like, okay, so I'm not, I'm not the best at like thermodynamics, like, stress and strain type things like that's not my strong suit but working with people creating products as a whole not needing to be like the top mind in that category just being able to bridge the gap between all of the top minds that's definitely who i am as a person i'm a very like easy to talk to easy to connect people yeah i'm um, always client focused so you're really selling it right now <laughs> like i kind of feel like that needs to be my major too yeah, I'm, I've been told that I'm the best salesman in our major. Oh my so, gosh. Yeah, I kind of should get really put take with, advantage of that. <laughs> I get put with all of the perspectives. So, okay, yeah. yeah, that's probably a good plan. Mm -hmm. What about you, Matthew? Your journey. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I want to know how it's different because you're both engineering, right? right. I want to know what your progression looked like for you finding and clarifying your career path and major. Yeah, my progression is not nearly as, you know, uh, it didn't have nearly as much topology, but um, I actually went into Purdue as a prospective aerospace student. Um, I, I've done electrical hobby work my like literally my entire life. I got my first soldering iron when I was in second grade. Oh, I no. was, uh, <laughs> yeah, I was you know doing all that stuff for a very long time, and like it was always just like, oh, you know, eventually you'll go to college and you'll do electrical engineering. Like it's going to be great. Like that's just what you're going to do, and. You know, as I got older, I started just being fascinated by aerospace and rockets, and particularly, you know, the stuff we send into space, like all the space telescopes, all these observation, you know, equipment that we design on Earth and then just send out into space and it works out there. It sends us back data that like things that we can never see or touch with our own human experience, but we can design instruments that can beam that back down to us so that we can get as close as we can. I just think that's incredible. It's fascinating. And so I was like, you know, senior year is like finally, you know what? I want to do that. Aerospace is what I'm going to do. I'm just going to flip everything that I think I want to know and do aerospace. And when I got to Purdue, that's, you know, what I was going to do. And 
Um, I was actually involved in an aerospace research project my first year at Purdue and, um, you know, talked to a lot of those students, learned about more what their course load looks like and what they take. And the more I learned about what it actually looks like as an academic path, I kind of realized that maybe it wasn't what I wanted to do. There's a lot more focus on, you know, aerodynamics and like airfoil optimization and, you know, not as much, you know, I mean, obviously once you get more into it, especially if you do like master's programs and stuff, you can get more into propulsion and rockets and stuff like that. But once again, I mean, that's rocket science. Yeah. I am not a rocket scientist. <laughs> it, got, it got real intimidating real fast. And then it, you know, the biggest thing that people told me, this is both students and advisors and graduate students and such is that, you know, you can still work in fields like aerospace and rockets and, you know, just space equipment in general without an aerospace degree. In fact, sometimes they're looking more for non-aero people because aerospace is such a, you know, concentrated field. Like every single system that we design today is going to have an electrical system on it. Like that's just a fact. And so you can still be involved in projects of that sort with an electrical engineering degree. And that's kind of the revelation and the advice that made me swap back to my original plan to be an electrical engineer. Like, I'm not going to be involved directly like in aerospace stuff at Purdue, but you know, I will be learning electrical engineering electronics. And then after leaving college, hopefully, you know, end up somewhere where I can apply that to an aerospace job. So I have two things coming out of that. The first is would you agree that rocket science lives up to its stigma? Like you're <laughs> confirming that. Well, I mean, I'm definitely not qualified to <laughs> okay. say that, but from an outsider, I think 100% it has to. I mean, just okay. So when we about, say it's rocket science? In my opinion, yes. The fact that okay. you're just taking like two, you know, by themselves inert substances and then mixing them so incredibly precisely and then facilitating a reaction that burns so hot that it can melt any material. But you need to have it inside of you know, materials that we had, like, yeah. I don't know. It's just, it's mind boggling. Awesome. The second thing is what were you soldering as a second grader? That's my you? question. Who gave you the soldering iron? Uh, the soldering iron is bought for me by my parents. Um, it was a very, <laughs> obviously very, it was a need. Yeah. In the back there, of it was a need. Yeah. I, I didn't have any money of my own. I wasn't, you know, running in, I didn't have any passive income as my <laughs> little second grade self, but, um, yeah, it was just a really simple plug into the wall, had a little dial on it. It was probably fake. I don't think the dial did anything, but, um, it was a fake soldering iron. No, no, the soldering iron oh, is real. It was okay, just like sorry. one of those things. Sometimes yeah. companies will, you know, slap on stuff to make things look fancier than they are. But um, yeah, pretty much some of the stuff that I made, I used to make what I thought were robots. Um, they were made out of like foam board, cardboard and stuff. And then I would solder in LEDs and lights. And eventually once, you know, I got a little bit older, I learned about, you know, different kind of, almost everything I did was related to motors, LEDs, stuff that you could actually see. I obviously wasn't doing anything with like, you know, logic and signal processing as a child. It was more like, you know, I have a bunch of, you know, multicolored LEDs, what, how can I make them light up in cool patterns? And I remember, I mean, I used to just search up like cool LED circuits and like, just, you know, figure out what those needed, order the parts. And then there was actually, a, there was a Radio Shack down the street from me. I mean, you know, those are gone. They still exist online, but the Radio Shack, you could go down and I mean, anyone who orders electrical components is going to know what a SIN this is. You could buy like transistors and ICs for like $2 each. Oh God. <laughs> I mean, like, you know, you could buy a hundred resistors off DigiKey for 10 cents. <laughs> Radio Shack's charging you like multiple dollars for five. Right. So like, you know, it was hardly cost efficient, but I mean, that's how I got my start in what I do now. And I mean, you know, I wasn't doing anything groundbreaking, anything that's, you know, particularly relevant necessarily, but you know, doing all that soldering and, you know, finding these random circuits and, you know, 
thinking I knew how they worked. I didn't, but you know, I, I could, I could pretend as a child and you know, that's, that's how I got my start. That is awesome. I love that. That is the most Matthew thing I've ever heard. That's very true. (laughs) I expected nothing less. I really, yeah. In uh, in fifth grade, I don't know if you guys did this um, where you are from, but did you all do 4-H at all in your elementary school? I don't know what that is. Some of my friends did. It's like a, it's like a, not an equestrian club. It's like a farm club. Yeah. Like, yeah. We so were, like, I'm in show a your city, pigs. suburban. Yeah. 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 I I I'm, I'm uh, born and raised in Kentucky, so okay. it makes, it makes, makes a little sense. more sense there. So 4-H uh, was, is, yeah, agriculture based. But when they did it in the school, it was actually more focused on, believe it or not, like kind of business and economy. And like that part of how things work, like there was this fake money system and all these things. And, you know, we had wow this is actually really relevant we had our own products and we had to (laughs) you know most people you know you have like pencil cups people did uh pencil holders like the grip things and like you know basically how what can you make with a ball of yarn and a water bottle and stuff like that and my friend and i when we did it we had um it was a good uh, service and our service was glasses cleaning and our good was robots That you soldered, yeah. I'm assuming. And we just sold, you know, these little teeny tiny robots that just had like two light up eyes and nothing else. But <laughs> we we absolutely dominated the supply and demand game. It was it was really fun. I would buy that. It's amazing. I would buy that for sure. Yeah. You just imagine a little baby Matthew coming up to you being like, Do you want to buy a robot? Yeah, hundred <laughs> percent would buy the robot. So true. But so we've been working here like a month and a half or so, and you know we've had a lot of fun together. The interns do a lot of work together. We like to you know move around offices, even if our chairs aren't directly next to each other. Somehow they kind of end up migrating so that we're all in a row. I'm sure that we all have great stories. Elena, what have you you know have any good good anecdotes, embarrassing moments, anything fun to talk about? So true. Um, going off what you started off with, I think I. I want to know how Tamara feels. Tamara is my immediate boss, the director of operations, and we both sit at, she's so gracious and allowed me to sit with her, but we both sit at kind of like a reception desk, even though we're not receptionists, obviously, but um, I don't know how, but every single day, at least one to two, maybe three other interns migrate behind that desk as well. So it's like not a huge desk, but there is just Tamara like trying to do her job and trying to do the things she has to do every day. And then maybe four interns like squished in behind her. And I'm starting to feel bad about it. And I can't imagine how annoyed she probably is. But she's so gracious in allowing us to just be besties at our internship. So I really appreciate that. But something stupid that I did um super embarrassing so we did um we obviously just recently did the linkedin campaign where we have carousels about ourselves and you know just some silly questions on up on our linkedin i'm like this is fantastic and mine got posted maybe early last week and i'm like this is great this is an opportunity for me to boost it i'm gonna repost it on my own and i did like the most obvious stupid intern thing ever as a marketing major Um, And I accidentally reposted it as Glassboard. And I just remember sitting there thinking, why is this not showing up on my feed? Like, I cannot find it. And I was losing my mind trying to find it. And it was probably up there. How long was it up there? Probably half an hour. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) How many people do you think saw that? 
At least 50. <laughs> I mean, out of 1,700 followers, I'd say 50. So, yeah. yeah. 50 is a good, yeah. good estimate. I just remember refreshing my feed like, constantly where and being is like, it? why didn't her post Wait, come up? Wait, but that means Glassboards didn't come up either then, right? Oh, no, it did. Oh. Yeah, because I saw it. I saw it. And I was like, wait, I already saw Elena's like, yeah. carousel. Why is it coming up again? Yep, it's because I, I did. just didn't think about it. But so, it was the repost. Glassboard posted me and then congratulated me on the post it was yeah super embarrassing not our best moment <laughs> not our best moment <laughs> Tamara was so oh she was so nice to me she's like it happens she comes over and she's like this is what you did wrong and I'm like my whole face is red and <laughs> I just want to crawl under the desk with all the other interns and die but you know we made it through we made it past I unposted it and reposted it on my personal account and all as well but that is definitely my most embarrassing thing that i've done so far in my internship uh, that's a great story <laughs> i love it pretty funny you also reveal the fact that the interns hide under the desk when we're scared it's true <laughs> that is so true i probably shouldn't have said that but <laughs> <laughs> i feel like one thing for like next year's interns what they need to do is actually put them all in a room by themselves so true yes that would be awesome <laughs> i feel like tamra's just gonna keep getting annoyed. well honestly poor david too david oh, david by uh, another one of uh, glassboard's like marketing and outreach uh employees business development business development that's the word i was looking his for his official but, title yeah his, his, official, his official title, title. business title. development so uh yeah david by and BizDev um is stuck in a room with me chase and logan so it's the three <laughs> of us and then him in the corner and i'm sure that he Probably gets a little bit fed up with having to listen to us, you know, just talk about whatever the heck it is we talk about. Oh, so absolutely. The intern office would be mint. We really need a multidisciplinary intern office. We, we need do. to combine the engineers and the marketing. But I think also the beauty of it is we wouldn't get anything done, I think, if I was there. So, well, yeah. Yeah. Probably. Prob probably not. We really do need to be separated. So. Maybe sometimes. Maybe, Maybe it's sometimes. like Monday, Wednesday, Friday. Yeah. You know, specific days where we can eat together. Yeah. No. But poor David, the first day I came in, he told me, he was like, I used to have this office all to myself. And I was like, I'm so sorry. <laughs> Not anymore. Right. <laughs> Surprise. Literally. Also, I do want to note for anyone that is thinking about possibly interning at Glassboard, um, it is ungodly cold. Like everywhere. Very true. Yes. All the time. Even if you shut the vent, somehow it'll blow on you. Mm -hmm. It is just cold all of the time. There are like ghost vents. You'll be in a room with zero vents and there will be a draft blowing directly on you. There yes. will be. It's terrifying. My, I had to create a vent cover for the mechanical office because Ramon was freezing like every day, just like shivering every time I went in there. So I made a cover to blow on Jacob because Jacob was <laughs> always hot. <laughs> so it took me like 20 hours to 3D print. And it was awful. Wow. And the vents are so like structured so weirdly that it kind of just hangs there. But Ramon is like the happiest person in the world now because the vent doesn't blow on Me him. Me too. Yeah. Also, another little anecdote, Jacob, again, mm -hmm. when he was fixing the draft by our reception desk by me and Tamara, he was, they've made their own system. I don't know what it is, but of course they did. They're engineers. But when I said, you know, like you can buy that on Amazon, like something to redirect the draft, like those little plastic pieces. He was like, oh, I didn't even know they do that. <laughs> like, yeah. Like, of course you don't. You're an engineer and you can think of possibly not making it yourself. No, I didn't know that either. Wait, you and didn't? Somebody, I didn't know I that either. I don't know who showed me, but somebody showed me the Amazon thing of literally what I made in yeah. CAD. 
and it was like this like plastic so cover you, thing. So you like spent time and yes. like 3D print. Did you 3D print it? Yes. It took 20 um, hours to print. It took 20 hours. It took 20 hours, 20 hours three iterations. So really it oh. took like 60 hours. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I, I mean, will say this. There is no better feeling for an engineer to design and build a product that is both more expensive, more time consuming, <laughs> and less functional than a commercially available product. Yes. So true. It is the best. It's thing so ever. fulfilling. It is. It is. And my flimsy little vent cover will sit there for the next five years. It will, because why change it? I right. made it. Exactly. Don't fix what ain't broke. Facts. I feel like the multidisciplinary office, like we were talking about earlier, I feel like that needs to to leak into other corporations as well. I wasn't expecting when I came into Glassboard. So the way it's set up now is there's different rooms for different functions, obviously. So there's a mechanical room, but inside the mechanical room, it is more of a co-working space where they're all at one large table. Um, there's no separate cubicles or anything, and um, they can all work together. And then there's different rooms, the electrical room, the intern room, and then obviously the workshops. But like going off what you said and kind of my experience, I didn't expect that to be how it would be formatted, how the organizational structure would be. I kind of expected everyone to kind of have their own space. And I don't know why maybe that's just more consistent in kind of a business world. But is that consistent across engineering firms to your guys' knowledge? I guess Matthew can speak more to that since you've had your... Yeah. yeah. The way that um, people were physically organized at Chrysler was uh, there was a ton of office space on the upper floors that were like, you know, that was where the cubicles were. And to my knowledge, I mean, I was working at Chrysler during uh, the COVID phase. And so like they, those offices were actually locked shut. We weren't allowed in them for whatever reason. And, um, but the way that I was led to believe that it worked was that every employee had a desk. Now, you could have a desk that was empty. You didn't necessarily have to work in that cubicle. It's just that, like, as a Stellantis employee, you had that dedicated workspace. But then, you know, you would have your actual, you know, like, lab if you were working on, like, active chassis or, like, where I was in EE validation. There's an entire set of garages, and that's all on the bottom floor of the complex. And then people would actually do their physical work down there. And then, like, if you needed to do, like, you know, a business call or a lot of, you know, stuff you know, emails, um, all that kind of stuff, you might go upstairs to your office where it's a bit quieter and stuff like that. So, you know, the offices were subdivided. There were, you know, marketing offices for sure, engineering offices for sure. But then where people actually did their hands-on work was, you know, completely separated. Okay. Interesting. After coming here, how do you feel when you compare them? The the biggest thing that I notice, you know, that's different uh, company culture-wise between Glassboard and like the bigger company at Stellantis is just you know, what it's like to actually know everyone you work with and be, you know, more heavily involved with even up the higher up employees like the CTO and CEO. It's super great having Grant and Drew just like a couple footsteps away to ask them literally any question. It could be, you know, related to a circuit board I'm working on, or it could be, I'm just curious about something, you know, about how the company works. Because, I mean, working at a startup in general is just really cool because Grant and Drew have had a hand in literally every aspect of the company that exists today. And so like, if there's anything you want to know how it works or why it works or why it's there I mean they can answer that question for you and there's just like you were mentioning earlier that great sense of transparency where you know everyone's really open to talk about anything that I mean that applies to everyone here if it's just what they're working on or like Tamara with networking Grant Drew with the company and that's something that you know you definitely I don't think you see at a larger company unless you work your way up and stay there for a very long time like as an intern you know I was never I never actually met either of my bosses in person uh, at Stellantis they were always you know away and 
that was just, you know, it was kind of bizarre. I work a lot better in person actually seeing the people that I'm talking to and all that. So I really like that about working here. I think that's something that's great about our flat organizational structure. I didn't expect that when I come in. When I came in, I don't I don't know why, because I knew that it was a startup and I knew it was a small company. But I guess what I didn't expect is the immediate feedback. And that's kind of what you were talking about, where, you know, if you're stuck on a project, the person, the head of the company is somebody that you can go talk to and ask and yes. and get an answer immediately that day. And it really propels you to um, make decisions by yourself and start new things and take initiative because you have answers right away. And sometimes that gets muddied and lost in larger organizations because you're in an email thread or you have to wait a day or two to get it through three or four people. And so that's something that I found is really great. Yeah, definitely appreciate the flat organizational structure. Like today I had um, a meeting with one of our clients and Grant was a part of it and it was at like 10 or something. And, you know, he just like slacked us on his phone really quick, was like, hey, can we like move this? Like, I have a couple of things to do. Just wanted to like make sure it was OK with everybody. Like just the him not immediately being like, this is moved because I have stuff to do. Like yeah. just the, the continuous workflow and making sure that it works with everybody and all being on the same level. Like obviously Grant is above us. Yeah. Obviously his decision goes. But feeling as though, I mean, not even feeling like actually being on the same playing field as everybody is something that I really enjoy and being able to work cross departmentally and not, you know, have my work, do my work, send it to the next department, actually being able to work with the electrical department or with, you know, our business development people on a product is amazing. I think part of that is credited due to the, you know, the size, like we have, we have 20 people, right? We have 17. We're at 20 well, with we're our 20 interns. We have 20 with, with interns. Yep. So we have 16. Okay, that's crazy. We have 16 full-time people. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's a small company. Of course, you're able to move a meeting and, and everything. But I, I'm not. that's all not credited to it being a small company. I think a lot of it is the culture that they've created. And something that I really identified with is the feeling that we are just as important as everyone else at the organization. And this is you were kind of talking about this earlier, but kind of that feeling of interns are just going to get coffee or that stigma around having an internship and you not doing meaningful work. I think that kind of went out the window with this opportunity. Like everything we do has impact. It's a small company. If I want to do something for the LinkedIn, no one else is going to do it. I have to, you know, do research, figure it out. Obviously, as someone is doing it, Ben and Ricky and everyone that helps with that, you're doing a great job. But um like if if you want to do that and take initiative and create a podcast you have the ability to do that and it's going to show up and you will see it show up and you'll see the change that it makes and that's something that's super cool did it all right thank you everyone for listening in it's been really fun to be able to do this and to have other people that i like a lot that are willing to do it with me so <laughs> well this has been really fun so thanks for listening